Good morning. Um, my name is Brooke. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad to have you. Thank you for worshiping with us, spending your morning with us. Uh, if you weren't, if you were wondering, does our AC work today? The answer is yes. And the people in jackets will prove it to you. It works. So if you're cold, I apologize, but it will be hot later. Um, we're so glad that you came to worship with us. And uh, this morning we have a real treat. As many of you know, we're right in the middle of a series on the fruit of the spirit, specifically because we're going through the book of Galatians. And uh, last week we covered two of those fruits. This week we're going to cover one, and then next week we're going to finish the rest. Um, but for this week, we have the privilege of having uh, a guest speaker who's not so much of a guest anymore. So uh, Phil Comer, who I get to uh, work with, but also uh, turns out to be my father-in-law, um, just, just so happens to be my father-in-law. Uh, thank you for letting me marry your daughter, by the way. Thank you. But I did give you four grandchildren, so you kind of owe me. We're, it's good. Um, that said, uh, we just recently got these guys, by God's grace and his favor, to move over to Bend. So this is their church now, which is incredible, which we're really thankful for, um, which we've been getting a lot of flack for from all the other family members that don't live close to them. So we've, we've heard it, but we're so glad that they're here. And uh, Phil is actually going to jump into this uh, teaching series today, and they're going to be around. So Phil and Diane would both love to meet you if they haven't had a chance to. Am I correct? Am I speaking for you in the right way? She's not here. Diane's not here today. She's just, they were teaching all week uh, at a place called Forest Home at a great camp. So Diane's not here today, but Phil is. So would you please just warmly welcome Phil? This is church now, so th this is like we're all together in this. Here you go. Whoa. I love you. Yes, when Brooke was 17, uh, he was playing drums in a worship band, and my daughter Elizabeth was singing, and they noticed each other big time. And when he wanted to ask her out, you know, he did the Christian thing. He came and asked permission, you know, instead of just stealing her away. And uh, I already knew Brooke because I was leading worship. He said, I said, of course you can take her out, but if you touch her inappropriately, I will break your hands. <laughs> And you will never play the drums again, but have a nice date. All right. And that was the beginning of, and now you've given me four grandchildren. What can I say? I have to love you. But he is easy to love. Well, hey, if I sound like I have a cold, I do, and my ears are plugged, but my heart is full, and I'm ready to share the Bible with you. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword and cuts right into our hearts. The Lord loves you. The Lord wants to speak to you today. He's always speaking, but too often we're not on the right frequency. So I pray that you will tune in, and the Lord has something for you today, not because of what I'm going to say, but because every time the Bible is open, God has something for you. So I pray you'll leave encouraged and closer to Jesus. So if you have a Bible, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Uh, as Brooke shared, we're in uh, going through the book of Galatians. We're in a series on the fruit of the Spirit. And by the way, it's fruit. It's a singular collective. It's not fruits of the Spirit. Um, sometimes we think of them as an apple, an orange, and a banana. But it's more like a cluster of grapes. And these are the fruit of God's spirit. This is what God is like. And when we have God living in us through the power of the Holy Spirit, these character qualities can be manifested. Now, uh, today we're going to be talking about patience. And a bunch of you are really glad about that because you were getting so impatient waiting to find out what the Bible has to say about patience. <laughs> no more waiting, we finally arrived. Now, I want to read our text and then uh, just say a short prayer. 
Now, because in Galatians 5, if you've been tracking with us in our study, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is contrasting the fruit of the Spirit against the deeds of the flesh. I want to begin in verse 16, and uh, let's stand together. I know you're nice and comfy, but we stand here when we read the Word of God, just like they do in the Bible. And um, Andrew took us through this um, a few weeks back, but I want to begin in verse 16. Let me read out loud, and when we get to verse uh, 22, I'm going to have you join me. But I say, walk or live by the Spirit. And you will not carry out the desire of the flesh or sinful nature. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. Now the deeds of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this or those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, would you say this out loud with me? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, Against such things, there is no law. And Father, thank you. This is who you are. This is what you are like. And I pray that you would make us into these kinds of people today as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, grab a seat, plop down, get comfortable. I think all of us have found ourselves somewhere in that list of the deeds of the flesh. And we find ourselves exhibiting some of those qualities at different times, depending on different situations. I'm so thankful that I used to live in them, but Jesus Christ changed my life. Aren't you glad if he's changed yours today? Because you're a new creation. It actually says in the Bible, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. We don't have to live in those things anymore because Jesus has changed our life. Now, the newer versions of the, uh, of the NIV say the fruit of the Spirit is forbearance, which we just read. It's a good word, but it's not a word most of us use. I know I rarely do, if at all. Most Bible translations say the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Patience is a word we use all the time. And impatience is something we all understand as we stand in front of the microwave saying, hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> I got to get to work, you know. But even patience, the way we understand the word, falls short of what this fruit of God's spirit really is. It's the old King James version that comes the closest when it says the fruit of the spirit is long suffering. Say that word with me, long suffering. The New Testament was originally written in Greek, and that's the language of the New Testament, and the, the word translated long-suffering is macrothrumia. Let me give you a definition, and as I do, if you think you are a patient person, let's see if you still do after I give you the definition, all right? Here it is, patience. This is the Bible definition. The ability to be wronged over and over again 
and not retaliate. How patient are you? <laughs> it's when someone hurts you repeatedly and pushes your buttons regularly and you have the ability to retaliate, but you choose not to. But that's not all. To be long-suffering is even more than not retaliating. It's the ability to endure injuries of in, of inflicted against us by others uncomplainingly. Wow. You know, when Andrew asked me to join this series on the fruit of the Spirit and talk about patience, um, initially I thought, what am I going to say for 35 minutes about one word? But after a while I had to stop studying because there was so much in the Word of God about patience. For our purposes this morning, I want to give you three things about patience. If you're taking notes, write them down. And we like to say, if you're not taking notes, write them down. Here's the first thing. Number one, patience is a characteristic of God himself. Way back in the Old Testament in Exodus 34, God tells Moses what he is like. If you've read the story before, early in the morning, Moses climbs to the top of Mount Sinai to present himself before God. By the way, do you rise early in the morning to present yourself before God? And if you do, keep it up. If it's not your daily habit, man, I would encourage you to begin because that's where you're going to receive the power to live a life that's filled with patience. And because Moses rose early and because he went to meet God, God met with him. Sometimes God doesn't meet with us, not because he doesn't want to meet with us, it's because we don't care to meet with him. And Moses wanted to meet with him. And the Bible says the Lord descended in a cloud and he stood there with Moses as Moses called on the name of the Lord. Listen to Exodus 34, verse 6. Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed the Lord. This is God speaking about himself. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious. Here it is. Slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Fast forward, David in Psalm 86 picks up on this. He says, but you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. In the New Testament, Romans chapter 2, verse 4, we're told not to take lightly God's forbearance and patience, and that his kindness should lead us to repentance. See, God's not out to just to zap you. He's so kind to you. And to realize, like, I don't deserve this kind of love. I don't deserve this long suffering. That should motivate us to want to please him in everything we do. And then the apostle Paul said this about himself in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. You know, the longer Paul walked with the Lord, the more he saw the wickedness of his own flesh apart from the changing, regenerating power of the Spirit of God. But for that very reason, he says, because I was the worst, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited what? Patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Paul saying, hey, God, if God can save me, he could save anybody. I was the worst of sinners, and God was long-suffering to me. I'm an example of how he can change anybody's life in a second. 
And then another, one of my favorite verses that I memorize as a new Christian, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God's waiting in a sense for us to wake up and, and to repent, not just one time to receive Christ, but over and over when we find ourselves in that list of the flesh and we say, Lord, I want to walk with you. I want the fruit of the spirit to be exhibited in my life. So that's the first thing. Patience is a characteristic of God himself. I got to ask you, aren't you glad today that God's long suffering towards you? Yes or no? <laughs> yes. Just think if he wasn't, I'm going to give you two weeks to clean up your life on your own. If not, he's not like that. He's long-suffering. In fact, he's grieved when we don't come to him because he wants relationship with you. He wants relationship with me. Patience is a characteristic of God himself for which I'm very grateful. Secondly, if you're taking notes, patience has to do with our attitude toward people. We think of patience in situations, the microwave, the you know. And this, this word has to do with people. There's another Greek word that's similar to macrothemia, macrothemeo, and it has to do with patience in difficult or trying circumstances. Now, I first got to pe preach on patience a number of years ago. I, this is the second time I've asked it, been asked to speak on it. I think God must think I need to get more patient. <laughs> I think he does, actually. Anyway, it was, it was a, a number of years ago, and that particular week when I had to put the message together, we were watching three of our grandkids. And, you know, we love our grandkids, and, but sometimes, you know, we're older, so we get a little tired, and I look at my wife, and I go, did we really do this? <laughs> and we go, yeah, we really did this. That was amazing. Anyway, all week long, you know, we're breaking up little arguments between June, Mo, and Sunday, and we're taking him to school and to soccer practice and everything. And then Jude says to me, Pops, are you coming to my game? And I said, Jude, I really want to, but I, I got to preach Sunday. I got to work on my sermon. And Jude is probably the most charming of our seven grandkids. <laughs> and he, I have a convertible. He loves my convertible. He goes, Pops, if you will drive me to soccer practice in the convertible... You can tell me your sermon, and I'll give you some input. <laughs> he was 10 years old. 10 years old when he said that. But I knew him, and I thought he'll probably have something good for me. So he charmed me. I did it. So I explained how I was going to start by reading about the deeds of the flesh. He goes, the bad stuff. <laughs> I go, yeah. Then I said, you know, but the fruit of the Spirit. And he starts quoting it. It's love, joy, peace, patience. He finishes the, he goes, my dad taught me that. And you know what? I stopped for a second. That's my son taught my grandson scripture. Those of you who are grandparents, what a privilege to teach your kids. And they raise up, they, they grow up and teach your grandkids their kids. And if you're a parent, man, teach them scripture. Memorize it yourself and teach it because it will never, ever return void. Anyways, when I, when I told him that I was going to explain that this kind of patience doesn't have to do with standing in front of the microwave, wishing it would hurry up, or being stuck in, stuck in traffic on the way to school, he said, don't use the traffic one. <laughs> and I said, why? He goes, because I love getting stuff in tra stuck in traffic because then I can be late to school. <laughs> so moving on. This word, Mac. Macrothemia isn't so much about patience in trying circumstances, as I said, but it has to do with people, especially other believers. 1 Corinthians 13 is God's description of love. 
It's what agape love is like. God's love is sacrificial love. It's love that loves expecting nothing in return. And that's the kind of love those of you who are married can actually give to each other because of the spirit of God. And what's the very first characteristic? Love is patient. Love is kind. The old King James, love suffers long and is kind. You hurt me. Ouch. But I'm not going to retaliate. You hurt me again. <laughs> double, double ouch. I'm still not going to hurt you back. I have the power or ability to instead forgive you and even be kind to you. Kindness is the flip side of patience. By the way, kindness in the Bible, it's a fruit of the Spirit too. It isn't a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's doing something useful for another person. That's why we say that person's so kind. It's because they did something that was kind. You hurt me, ouch. And in response, not only am I not going to retaliate, I'm going to do something to bless you. As followers of Jesus, we're to be characterized by this kind of love because we have the Holy Spirit. We're to model it. This word, by the way, macrothemia, was unique to Christianity because the Greeks thought it was a virtue to tell somebody off, to stand up to them. Sometimes I'll, I'll hear somebody, even a follower of Jesus, say, man, it was just terrible. I told that person off. And I, I just go quiet when I hear that because I think, well, you weren't being like Jesus. We've all been there. People have hurt us, pushed us too far. Instead of manifesting self-control, we raise our voice at them. We lash out in anger. I know I have. <laughs> Multiple times I've had to ask God's forgiveness for an outburst of anger, for an unkind word, for a pithy, smart comment. And you know who probably, and then I have to ask the person's forgiveness too, which is always humiliating and humbling. You know the person I've had to ask forgiveness of the most? Guess who it is. Those of you who are married know what I'm talking about, right? Your spouse, in my case, my wife. Because we live close to each other. We've been married 44 years. We're rubbing against each other all the time. And, and if, if we're not doing well or we're walking in the flesh and we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, hurtful things are going to be said. And sometimes you hurt the people you love the most, the most often. And when you do that, you ask God's forgiveness and you ask their forgiveness too. Even Moses, whom the Bible says was more humble than anyone on the face of the earth, How'd you like to have that in the Bible about? Just Romans 12. That's Numbers 12, 3, by the way. Now, the man Moses was very humble, more than any man on the face of the earth. That's pretty cool. There's some other verses in the Bible, and he died with no one's regret. <laughs> I don't want that to be on my tombstone. <laughs> you know? And then there's two girls in Philippians that are told to quit arguing with each other. How'd you like to have your name in there? You know, Susie and... Jo you know, Joan, stop fighting with each other. Moses is listed as the most humble man on the face of the earth, but he, even he was denied the privilege of entering the promised land because he got impatient and it led to an outburst of anger. If you remember, he's like leading God's people, you know, there's, there's thousands upon thousands of them and they were always grumbling and complaining. Why don't you lead us out here in the wilderness for we're sick of this manna. We're going to die. We're thirsty. You know, and, and so they were complaining and he kind of had it. And God told Moses, speak to this rock. And he was just going to have water gush out. But Moses was mad. He took his 
rod and he struck the rock. He said, you rebellious people. And God made the water come out. But then God said to Moses, because you did not treat me as holy in front of the people, because you misrepresented my long-suffering love towards them is really what God was saying. I'm going to let you see the promised land off in the distance, but you aren't going in. Joshua, your servant, he will lead them in. Wow. I, I read that, and, and I want to try to not make that mistake. You see, whenever we sin, there is always some consequences. God loves Moses. He's the most humble man on the face of the earth, but even he blew it. When someone hurts you, this week, <laughs> it'll probably happen, or says something bad or untrue about you, because you have the Holy Spirit, instead of blasting them, instead of striking the rock, you can choose to be patient just as God has been with you. This kind of patient love never says, I've had enough, because it suffers indefinitely, it suffers long. And this is how we're commanded to treat each other in the family of God and, of course, in your family at home as well. Ephesians 4 verse 2 says we're to show forbearance or patience to one another in love. Colossians 3.12 says put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. But we aren't to be patient only with our church family, only with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all men. Wow. Everybody. Jesus takes it even further in Luke chapter 6, but love your enemies and do good and be merciful just as your father is merciful. Oh, you mean because I call myself a follower of Jesus and because I have his spirit living in me, I'm actually supposed to treat other people the way God treats them? Now you're getting it. That's really what this word and this passage is saying. Which brings me to my last point. First of all, patience is a characteristic of God himself. Patience has to do with my attitude toward people. And finally, this kind of patience can only be lived out when I walk in the spirit. If you have your Bible open, look back to verse 16, where Paul says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. I love that verse. We don't have to live in that list of despicable habits and characteristics if we walk by the spirit. When we read verses 19 to 21, Paul just makes a list of all kinds of things the flesh is capable of capable of things you and I are capable of when we don't live under the lordship of Jesus and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing, it's not an exhaustive list. It ends, and things like this. We're capable of even worse stuff because the Bible says in our flesh dwells no good thing. That's why we need to be changed by the spirit of God. If you actually look at the list that we read earlier, those characteristics of the deeds of the flesh, they're actually sins against God sins against others, and then even sins against ourselves. And they're characterized by disharmony, disunity, and flat-out ugliness. The fruit of the Spirit, on the other hand, are qualities that bring harmony, unity, and beauty. The ugliness of the flesh set against the beauty of God's Spirit. If you're walking in one, you can't be under the control of the other. 
You can't be sort of half in the flesh and half in the spirit. Because if you're half in the flesh, the spirit is convicting you to get out of the flesh and back into the spirit. Now look at verse 24. I love this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the spirit, let us also walk by the spirit. There's only one thing to do with the flesh. Kill it. How do you do that? You do it through the power of the Holy Spirit when you choose not to go that way. When my will crosses God's revealed will and I choose God's revealed will instead of my will, that's the cross at work. I'm choosing to die that I might live. And it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. Walk implies moving. Like This is how you and I are to go through the day in conversation with God, seeking him, walking with him, fellowshipping with him, letting him lead us step by step by step. Walking in the spirit is the same thing as abiding in Jesus, staying connected to him is another way of putting it. Back to my story about 10-year-old Jude. After telling me not to use a traffic example, <laughs> I asked him if he had any other recommendations for my sermon. <laughs> Excuse me, sorry. He thought for a bit, he got quiet, he said, give him a quote from Jesus. <laughs> I thought, that's a great idea. So here it is. John 15, compliments of Jude. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. Another way of putting it, Jesus talks about the vine and abiding, staying connected to him. Is this kind of long suffering really possible? Oh yes, I've seen it in action. I wanna close with a story about a real live person. She was a wife and uh, she went through probably about a year and a half of her husband leaving her and having a long time affair. But let me back up, thank you so much, back up to the beginning. So a lot of you know I played in a band for nine years before I became a Christian and down in the Bay Area in California. So we started playing in this band before any of us had driver's licenses. <laughs> and so we were playing at this dance one time and there was this buff looking guy leaning over the thing. He was 30 and I was 15. And he comes up afterwards and he says, Would, would you like guys like a manager? And we go, do you have a car? And he said, yeah. He became our manager, started driving us to all of our gigs, and we became best friends. It's pretty rare for your best friend to be 15 years older than you are, but I led the band musically, and he and I led it in all the other ways, and we were dealing with all kinds of stuff and flaky musicians and attitudes and all that kind of stuff. And the band kept getting better and making more money, and he and I became friends. We both came to Jesus and we got baptized together in 1973. And then we started having our kids, John Mark, Rebecca, Elizabeth, who's married to Brooke, and we would go over to their house on Friday night for taco night, you know, and, and eat together and, and watch old Walt Disney movies together. And this went on for years. And then uh, my band was playing for a ski resort up in Squaw Valley in the Lake Tahoe area. And he, his wife wasn't there. And I saw him go off with this woman and he, you know, had a, had a, like a one or two night stand with her. And I thought, oh man, this is bad. 
and we were both like new Christians. And there was a few years where I was a Christian, but I wasn't walking with the Lord either till I landed in a church like this where the Bible was taught. And then my, my life was changed. Anyway, so fast forward, he continues to dabble in this and then he gets into real estate and there's this pretty gal working real estate in the office and he hooks up with her and then he takes another step, chooses to leave his wife and go live with her, which he did for over a year. But all the time he's paying the rent for his house that his wife is in, checking on her. It's, it, it's, it's sick, really. But this is what can happen when you're not walking with the Lord. He's thinking he's a Christian the whole time. He, he's, you know, taking care of his wife while he's, you know, sleeping with this other woman. And I had moved over to a different church about a half hour away, and, and I, I came over one day, and I found where he was living with her, and I knocked on the door. It was nighttime, and he's huge. He could, like, break me with one hand. And he opened the door. This is my friend. I've known him since I'm 15. We were baptized together. And he's looking at me, and it was almost like there was glaze over his eyes. His name was Delano, Del. We call him Del. I go, you got to quit this and go back to Marlene. And he just looked at me like, yeah, I know, you know. And I couldn't communicate with him, you know. I was glad he didn't beat me up. But, but I did what Matthew 18 says. If your brother sins, reprove him in private. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. He didn't listen. I left. The Bible says bring two or three witnesses. We tried this. Marlene's brother, who was a pastor, didn't listen to them. The Bible finally says tell it to the church. That means other Christians who know him. He rejected, rejected, rejected. And Marlene the whole time's in church, walking with the Lord, submitting herself to the leaders in the church, and they're counseling her. And after over a year of this, they said, you know, Jesus said God hates divorce. He doesn't hate divorced people. He hates divorce because of the pain it causes. But there is one case where you can divorce your husband for the case of immoral sexual immorality. And so you, if you choose to make that decision, we will support you, the elders told her. You never tell somebody to divorce their because they can choose to be long-suffering. And so we never told her. But finally her brother said, you need to get rid, you need to dump this guy. Even the pastors were saying, dump him. You know? And she was like, no, I believe He's going to come back to me, and I'm willing to forgive him. She was really saying, with God's help, I'm going to be long-suffering. And this story has a happy ending because all of a sudden, after about a year and a half, it's like he awoke from a stupor, dumped the girl, came back in tears to Marlene and to the Lord. It's like the story of the prodigal son who finds himself feeding pigs and eating the pig's food and realizing, what am I doing here? My father's slaves are eating good food. I'm going to get up, say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. That was him. And he came back. She forgave him, took him back, and they had many happy years together. And then a few years ago, he got he got sick and he died and I went to the funeral and I was standing about from here to the wall from where we were baptized and I got up to talk about my friend and I said, my friend Delano, I started bawling like a baby. I couldn't say anything and there, there was a non-Christian friend of Marlene there and she goes, what's wrong with that guy? You know, I said, well, he just loved, loved my husband. But here's what I will never forget. His grandchildren started getting up, weeping, talking about him. And I saw the power of restoration when somebody chooses to be long-suffering. It's powerful. Now, I want to put a qualifier on this. I am not saying 
that if you're in a bad situation like that and your spouse has cheated on you for a long time or you know somebody who has, that that's the right thing to do. Every situation is different. That's why we need to live in community under the elders and leadership of a church and get wisdom and walk through it together with other godly people. But in that case, it was her decision to do that very thing. And wow, I learned a lesson that I will never forget. I haven't seen that happen a lot. I've seen it happen more than once though. I could tell you another story, but you're getting hungry. All right. <clears throat> Your job this week, my job this week, is simply to abide in Jesus every single moment of every single day, to walk in the Spirit, not because we have to, but because we get to. The fruit of a life lived this way will be a blessing to all the people around you because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And I love how verse 23 ends, against such things, there's no law. Pull him over and cuff him. Why? He's being too loving. <laughs> Arrest her. Why? She's being too kind. Book him, Dano. What's the charge? Being too patient. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's never going to happen. Whatever you want to call it, walking in the spirit, abiding in Christ, or my wife Diane's term, the with God life, live it out this week. You will be amazed at how God gives you the power to do it, and you will be a blessing to others. How do you actually do it? Listen to Brooke's teaching from last week. He gave you some practical ways we can be filled with the spirit and walk with him. Surrender to him. Let his love flow through you this week. And as you do, when the attacks come, and they will, when the accusations fly, and they will, instead of lashing out, you'll be like Marlene. You'll be slow to anger. And by the way, Proverbs 16.32 says, he or she who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. God says, you know what? If you will rule your spirit, if you will live a life of patience, if you will be long-suffering, I'm more impressed with you and proud of you than some general that conquered an entire city. And you know, I love that the first, the first characteristic is love. When, we're, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the first thing you're going to experience is love. And that love is going to fill you with joy, and that joy is going to bring peace those first three, they're, they're God. They're, they're towards God. And then God's going to help you to do the next three with has to do with others. You'll find yourself being patient, kind, and good. And if you do that over a long period of time, then you're going to see the other three. Faithfulness, meekness, and self-control. Those are internal. But I don't want to tell you a lie. This is going to take some time. It can happen faster if you cooperate with the Spirit of God. The, the closer we get to the Lord, the faster he changes. I came across this quote, I'm almost done, from Alan Redpath. The conversion of a soul is the miracle of a moment. I'll never forget the moment God changed my eternal destiny from hell to heaven. Right where I was, Santa Clara, California, on my knees, in my bedroom, my destiny was changed. But it took four years before I started walking with the Lord. The quote goes on to say, the manufacture of a saint is a task of a lifetime. 
Romans 8.29 says, Whom God foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. That's right after 8.28 that we love to quote, God works all things together for good to those who love God. But the next verse says, And those he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. He wants to make you look like Jesus, not on the outside, but on the inside. That's his work. And some qualities take more time to develop than others, like this one, long-suffering. And pretty much, they develop through trials, like Marlene went through. Hopefully nothing that drastic. But you know what? You can change. I can change. And the power for a changed life is the Holy Spirit. Amen? The degree to which we change is totally up to us. This week, when you feel mean and nasty, you pause and you say, your kindness, Lord, and receive it. When you feel some anger and hatred towards somebody, you pause and you say, your love, Lord. When you get impatient, you say, you pause and you say, your patience, Lord. As you do that, you're going to experience what Jesus called life that is truly life. Amen? I'm done. I have nothing else to say, almost. Let's stand for prayer. Would you please bow your head? Just you and the Lord. I know there's a bunch of people here, but ignore them for a second. I have a few questions for you. Are you walking in the power of the Spirit? And if you say, Phil, not perfectly, but yes, that, that's my heart. And I'm, I'm seeing him change me. I'm, I'm seeing these grapes fall, some love and some joy and some peace. Say, thank you, Lord. If you say, you know what? I, I want to, but this past week, <laughs> you're going to find me in the other list. Well, that can change right here and right now. I love the Lord. He's always standing at the door of our heart and knocking. He'll never barge in. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I wonder if you're here this morning and you just want to open the door. Say, Lord, I need you. I need your help. In my marriage, I'm blowing it with my kids. I'm struggling with my boss at work. And now you're saying, you know what? I don't have to, do, I don't have to face this alone. I have one who is all-powerful, who is love, who is peace, who is patient, who's right ready to step into my life, into my heart, and help me. I wonder, is there a person right now whose name is coming to your mind that God is asking you to be patient toward? If a name's coming to mind, will you, with God's help, do that very thing? They might be standing next to you. Or I wonder if there's been some hurt and he's not asking you just to be patient. He's asking you to forgive just as you have been forgiven. If that's you, would you say, yes, Lord, I, I forgive them just as you've forgiven me of everything. I don't know who he's asking you to be patient toward. I don't know who he's asking you to forgive. The third question is, when is he asking you to do it? I know the answer to that one right now. Today's the day of salvation. You have the Holy Spirit if you know Jesus, but does the Holy Spirit have you? Are you walking in the Spirit? 
Lord, may Riverbend be a church filled with young moms and young dads and older people and even children who have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit has them. May this church be known as a place when I walk in that place, I feel loved. I feel the presence of God. Do that for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen.